Welcome to the CX Impact Podcast. Speed up your customer experience success. The CX Impact Podcast is brought to you by Gemseek, your trusted analytics advisor, helping you predict what your customers will do next. Hello, everybody. I'm Momchil Buskov, CX champion at Gemseek and host of the CX Impact Podcast. Thanks for listening and continuing to follow our episodes. I'm very excited about today's episode as we will dive into the B2B CX world. Many global B2B CX companies have or are looking to establish a CX program. However, they don't know how to start and what goes to set. Today with my guest, we will answer some of the most important questions in front of B2B leaders. What are the key ingredients of successful CX strategy? Uh, how can you balance the needs of various stakeholders? How can you drive customer-centric culture by involving all levels of the organization? How to create an international CX strategy? And uh, how CX can help you escape the commodity trap? I'm privileged to have as my guest today, Judith Van Heerwarden, who is transforming the B2B construction industry for 10 years now, leading the Heidelberg Cement MPS program. As a global principal customer experience, Judith manages local teams on their program execution in 40 countries across the globe. In 2020, the CX program managed by Judith won Best Customer Experience Strategy Award from RSET European Customer Centricity Awards. Judith is also Forrester Leadership Board CX Council member and board member of Quad Community Tilburg Foundation Helping People in Poverty. Judith, thanks for being on the CX Impact Podcast. Thank you for having me, Mauchio. I'm asking most of my guests about their path to CX. Can you tell me more about it and how you have selected the field? Sure. Um, well, I think my background is I have a master's in strategy and marketing, but I actually started my career more in the field of recruitment and uh, HR which I think still is a really valuable start of my career because it really uh, exposes you to the, the key ingredient of business across all industries, which is people, of course, and having the right people on the right spots, motivated, enabled, and empowered to execute their roles to the best of their ability. Um, however, after some time in HR, I got fascinated by that other critical part of a business and perhaps even more essential as without these, you wouldn't have a business for much longer, uh, it's customers. Uh, I shifted my focus and moved to the marketing function uh, at the time where I pretty much just focused on putting in place some of the basics in our businesses. Uh, as historically, our business is very internally focused where operational excellence has been the foundation of global success. Um, then when almost 10 years ago, our board started to recognize the importance of keeping up with customer needs that were changing uh, and the global program got scoped, I had the chance to be the project manager of that pilot. And really, that's been the first moment that I started diving into the world of customer experience and uh, was challenged to mold its concepts that are often based on B2C data and cases uh, to fit a more conservative, heavy industrial business to business uh, environment. And this has really fascinated me ever since. And 
at the same time, I think the field of, of CX is developing at such a speed caused by ever increasing amount of industries embracing it, but also by the uh, technological innovation, allowing you to have more data and create faster and better insights. And finally, other developments like the recent pandemic, of course, has a massive impact on CX strategies uh, and how we view them and how we use them in our businesses. Sounds like really a very exciting journey and uh, HR is a very interesting uh, entry point, uh, I believe. And like it, as you, uh, I think empathy is something also key, no matter if it comes to employee engagement and internal HR or customer, I think is a very important skill. You mentioned a lot of interesting trends happening in the industry and really the industry has developed a lot uh, recently. But tell me about things that you really love in the industry and things that you actually hate or dislike. <laughs> That's a strong word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I think what I love about CX is that it aligns a business back to its essence. The reason why you exist to deliver value for customers. Do that well and your business thrives. Do that poorly and you will struggle in the long run. It's, it's as simple as that. And however many departments or complex structures and hierarchies you might have, they should all be contributed to that one thing. Yeah, then what I hate about it, I, I couldn't tell you uh, much there. I think the only thing um, I maybe dislike and uh, my partner might hate is the fact that as a consumer myself, I can get so much more upset by businesses that make the, the simple stupid mistakes in their customer service or journeys uh, that are so obvious, it's really hard at some point to turn off that piece in your mind where you can pinpoint what the problem is in a journey or, or in the service that you receive. Um, and you can be sure that I'll answer any survey you send me afterwards. Yeah, so it's hard to put off your CX uh, hat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, great. So we're doing CX in the cement industry. Uh, many people will think that this is a joke <laughs> and that, uh, I mean, there's so many industries, as you mentioned, where they struggle with uh, even fixing the basic steps of the journey. But at the same time, you spend the last 10 years within the cement industry. So can you tell me more about your role within uh, Heidelberg Cement and uh, how you managed to make a difference through CX? Yeah, maybe before doing that, very briefly introduce uh, the business. So Heidelberg Cement is a German stock exchange leader in cement aggregates and ready-mix uh, products around the world. Uh, we cover around 60 countries uh, uh, around the globe. Um, and, and the cement industry is really in the middle of, of a global transformation around, first of all, sustainability, right? Uh, cement production is one of the world's biggest contributors to global CO2 emissions while at the same time it's a very needed product because there's no good substitute for its binding qualities which you need in construction so our business has set some really ambitious goals around co2 targets uh, that doesn't stop at that at whether we capture those co2 uh, emissions but 
whether we succeed in this transformational topic is going to depend if we can keep our relevance in the market and doing that is only achievable by putting the customers at the focus of what we do and how we transform and how we develop ourselves and coming back to your er earlier remark about joking I, I think when we started this program when was it six years or more ago I think some of our businesses hoped we were kidding uh, when we introduced it to them um, this this transformational thinking isn't something natural for this conservative industry and where in innovation in the past was really slow and mostly only technically driven. Uh, today's world requires us to innovate on other topics and at a much faster pace, adopt more agile practices and mindsets around failing fast, for instance, digitally transform the way we operate and service our customers. And to drive these changes and assure we're heading in the right direction, we need to constantly look at that voice of our customers and keep putting that customer central to what we do. Like what you just said, and I think that many companies in the B2C world are not so advanced in their thinking, if you want, and um, putting the, the customer at the heart of everything they do. Slightly going to the topic for today's Conversation 6 strategy, uh, before jumping and providing some specific advices to B2B leaders, I want to mention a huge achievement that you had recently. Uh, Heidelberg Cement won together with Jamesic the European Customs Tristy Award for Basic Strategy. Thanks. Uh, tell me more about it and um, how you managed to achieve this, what does it mean for you? Yeah, so we're so honored uh, and, and it's a well-deserved recognition for all the hard work and commitment of our local MPS champions all over the world. Um, it has definitely been a long and tough road um, of convincing this conservative, operationally focused business to start incorporating customer feedback uh, in their strategies. and. When we started with, uh, it really was a slow moving process where we needed to change those mindset, getting used to and trusting those measures and then shifting gradually focus from the metrics to actually actioning that feedback. And it finally got us to a stage where this year we were running a multi-day customer centricity workshop during our annual global executives summit where they were considering this as an integrated part of our strategy for the next five years so it's been a, a great moment also uh, to be recognized by something like an award yeah, absolutely. And sounds great. And the fact that it uh, really engages the entire organization from the local six champions to being a part of the um, workshop for a five-year company strategy, that's that's really amazing. Tell me more about the key ingredients of a successful CX strategy. Also here, if some of these are specific for B2B industry, please uh, point them out. Yeah, so I guess ideally, um, if you read or if you hear the success cases, uh, they often start from a strong top management commitment, a purpose, a culture, a customer vision, and then giving, uh, um, yeah, giving hands and feet to that vision through a program like, uh, like we have an MPS program. 
However, in our case, I think we started a little bit the other way around where the initial uh, identification of we need to do something only really triggered us to go in bottom up. So start to engage countries with this system and through its successes gradually created more momentum for changing organizational focus and getting to that more strategic uh, understanding of customer centricity. Other key elements I think uh, is really around setting the right metrics and research approaches. And in B2B, this isn't as obvious as B2C because you're dealing with much smaller populations of customers that you don't want to frustrate. You've got long-standing relations with these customers. You don't want to send them 20 long surveys uh, a year. So it's really balancing the pragmatic with uh, the perfect statistics. Uh, secondly, an element that was crucial to our success and which we've really uh, basically rewritten part of the system for is setting it up in a way that helps you prioritize uh, because there is always stuff to improve all along a customer journey at every key loyalty drivers there are customers that have some grief that can be improved upon but it's all about setting priorities not hitting a business with 100 improvements uh, priorities but limiting it to the five ones that have the greatest impact on your customer value and in the end on your business performance uh, then next step, really designing those solutions with customers in center again. And I think one thing we struggled with as well, uh, which turned out to be key is building those commercial capabilities to then put these, uh, bring these solutions to market in a value added way. Uh, for a commodity business like ours, where we're used to having a product and there's a market price and that's kind of the end of it. If a customer wants it, he wants it. But when you move to a more uh, um, customer-centric value creation, you also need to start thinking about which customers will recognize that. How do you approach them? With what kind of proposition will you really solve their problems? Um, and I think finally, final step there is the tracking and measuring uh, performance and impact on what you've done. So those solutions you've implemented, how have they helped your business thrive? How have they grown your customer accounts? Yes or no. And creating that proof and the business cases uh, for investing in CX improvement, because bottom line, these success stories and these proven cases are really uh, what will start drive momentum in the business. You really said a lot and it was super interesting. I want to just summarize the few steps. So the first most important is to have the commitment and uh, to have engaged uh, the senior management uh, to think uh, and to implement the right uh, metrics and measurement, which in B2B are specific and you should be very um, yeah, just balanced decisions. Sometimes you sacrifice a little bit of the perfect statistics over just getting uh, some data. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, not really not uh, to introduce too many of them and to somehow impact the relationships that you have with these B2B customers. Then it's important to um, prioritize mm-hmm. uh, and really to identify your must-win battles, designing solutions in the customer in the center uh, and introduce them uh, as quickly as possible to the market. And yeah, I have those commercial capabilities in place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the last step, but super important to track and measure performance and to know the yep. financial operational impact of your program and individual initiatives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's really great. And I think that our listeners will following this list can achieve amazing uh, results. Okay, and you've really managed to create a strategy that uh, works well across uh, all continents. Do you give uh, autonomy to local markets or how, how does it work? I think when it comes to the, the system that we've created, uh, we've got a very careful balance between the global frames that we set and the local flexibility. Um, which is undergoing constant review based on learnings and developments that are done uh, um, around the world. It's an exercise of allowing sufficient flexibility uh, locally to innovate and explore and try new things and then capturing those, uh, those exercises that proven successfully and that have the ability to scale to different uh, countries. And then we develop the global framework to incorporate those uh, those developments and make it available to all countries again. Um, also key, I think, to support the program with robust and scalable systems and enablers. So a platform like the GemCXCX one that we're using uh, that is really easy to use in all cultures, in all countries, that can be translated to all languages and alphabets even when reading and typing direction has to be reversed as we're currently working on implementing the Hebrew language uh, as the interface in the platform. Um, that, that is important when you have to scale these things globally and also understanding local culture that in some of our cultures it's not the, the survey uptake online is uh, pretty bad so we need to do phone surveying and having a partner with a global network of capable agents to do this, which in our case is also GEMSEEK, is is very valuable. And it helped us even manage surveys in African languages last year that can't be written. They're spoken only languages like Moray in Togo or Lingala in in Congo. And we even managed to uh, to survey those customers. So a strong partner. is important too. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know that also local markets are very, I mean, most of them are very excited about the program and they they drive some initiatives on their own. How do you motivate them to do this? And the second thing, how at the same time do you make sure that this falls within the guidelines of the global program? Yeah, so in our case, and that's also depending on business setup and strategy, of course, our local markets, our countries uh, own their own budgets and and make their own decisions around how they go to market and and how they want to execute their strategies. So 
in our case, it's really important to have these local markets own the CX strategy, the results and the, the uh, improvements or the solutions they want to implement. And in order to make sure the initiatives are relevant and uh, aligned to local market needs, strategy, brands and competitive landscape. It's then, I think, our global responsibility again to create a platform for these countries to share their successes and their wins and, and help them tell those stories where they can learn from each other and copy best practices if it's relevant uh, in their markets. Um, we do this by annually sharing reports and a CX casebook where we're showcasing uh, some country CX successes. and. Actually, we've just uh, done the first three uh, CX sessions, uh, leveraging the rapid adoption of video calling uh, to create a global platform to share CX wins for the CX champions, but also anyone else in the business that might have an interest. And we've had a really wide uptake spanning across all management levels and actually also all functional levels of different uh, countries that are starting more and more to care about uh, CX, understanding customer uh, feedback and how to act on that. So how to use these different systems. So it's really uh, good to see. Yeah, that really sounds amazing. And here, I'm sure that all of these stakeholders might be the local CX champions or like management of the um, markets, uh, people within the global team or the C-suite, they come to you with different requests. Um, how do you manage to balance the needs of all these uh, stakeholders? I think in the end, uh, it's important to establish we're all after the same thing here. Like I said before, what I like about CX is that it brings a very complex business to its essence. Why are we here to give customers something that they perceive as valuable? And I think if you establish that kind of goal uh, across all these stakeholders, that gives you the right direction. Uh, but then talking to these stakeholders, they each have their individual part to play in that, right? Especially if you look in different functional areas, uh, whether it's through making our products, enabling our people to deliver products and services, uh, servicing our customers or selling value to our customers. When you want to engage these different groups, it's, it's more a matter of messaging, eh? what language makes sense to that group, what metrics and objectives drive them that you should align to, uh, but always go back to that kind of North Star, which yeah applies to everyone, that what we're all in this for together is create customer value. Okay, great. So what you're saying is that when you uh, have clear goals and all of you aim for, uh, for the same goals, it's uh, easy to prioritize what to do and to explain why you've started with one initiative versus the other. I wouldn't say always easy, but yes, <laughs> it, it should help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, I mean, yeah, it helps. Okay, it can be always easy. Yes, <laughs> I guess also the stakeholders might be quite stubborn. So, <laughs> uh, okay, okay, great. Um, can you share some success stories uh, from the markets? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, they we've got a high variety of successes that sit all across the customer journey. Some are more uh, basic than others, but I think generally currently the biggest opportunities uh, for us lie in the digitization of our customer journey uh, and the digital transformation of that, I should say, because it allows us to create greater customer value through transparency, reliability, giving a customer more control and allowing him to work his sites more uh, efficient. Um, so for instance, uh, one of the things where we've introduced and we're rolling out at the moment is an app that allows customers on site, so on construction sites to basically see exactly how far out the next ready mix truck uh, is. So he can really manage his people on site uh, to be ready when that truck arrives. But if the truck is, is 20 minutes delayed, he can give him another task to work on in the meantime. Um, and even it can be much simpler than an app in some of our more developing markets. They've got this kind of trigger set up that when a truck leaves the plant, an automatic SMS message is sent to that customer. So it's all really around those values of creating more control, transparency, and uh, a more easy to do business with kind of transaction. Yeah, sounds, sounds very interesting that uh, digitalization and all improvement of the customer journey uh, come directly from the program and uh, help uh, markets to prioritize and select the, really the ones that will make the difference. Okay, uh, great. And what about the future? Uh, what are the plans for your NPS program? What are your ambitions? Uh, where to start? So I think I'm always overflowing with new ideas, how to do things uh, better, smarter, more effective. It's uh, exhausting at times. Um, no, I, I uh, kidding aside, I think in our industry, the opportunity will really lie in using these transformational topics of digitization and sustainability to uh, define a, a strong and authentic customer vision and working uh, using RCX programs to really strengthen how we deliver on that vision that uh, can hopefully also differentiate our offer, lifting us out of that uh, commodity trap. And, and even when you dream a little further than that, when you dream about what is possible through digitization and having more customer data, it is really an opportunity, I think, uh, for increasingly personalized experiences uh, that are on the one hand, greater efficiency for us, but on the customer side, much more value because we know exactly when, what they need, when they need it and can deliver it uh, to them. Um, other trends that are happening, obviously across the B2B is that we are finally seeing that shift, which is uh, triggered by the pandemic uh, for digital purchasing of increasingly larger uh, purchase amounts. Um, and, and this really will impact our sales model to start including multiple channels that need to be aligned and that share that commercial responsibility. 
Um, well, for the moment, most sales in our case, in our industry, are still very much done by the sales team and, and only some smaller customers in a couple of countries have the ability to order something online. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, there's plenty of, of future uh, exciting opportunities that lie ahead. Yeah, we should look with uh, all of them and hope that uh, soon you'll... Or not soon, but step by step uh, reach the vision to provide uh, personalized uh, services for each customer. Okay, as we're reaching the end of the conversation, uh, if you can provide uh, one advice to our listeners, CX uh, leaders, what it would be? Good question. Um... One advice is maybe too short, but I think it helps having a real passion because it's a tough road to drive change if your business is, uh, yeah, like mine in a more conservative industry, internally focused. Uh, you're in it for the long haul, so be patient, take the wins, no matter how small or imperfect they might be at the beginning. Uh, and share them around because those wins are really uh, the key to getting that momentum going in the business, convincing your stakeholders that this would also work for your business and your industry. Okay, great. So if I can put it in one sentence, <laughs> would it be like sharing your wins to keep the vibe and drive uh, further the program or something like this or yeah yeah be okay, patient great. and share wins, be patient, share wins. Be okay awesome <laughs> uh thanks a lot i'm pleased that i had as my guest today on the six impact podcast judith van hervarden global customer experience leader who never stops exploring in innovating and achieves amazing results in B2B CX uh, across over 40 countries. You can find Judith's contact details um, in the podcast comments below. Thanks for the inspiring conversation, Judith. Thank you, Monchil. It was really uh, nice doing this. Thanks. If you want to continue the conversation about anything you heard today or to learn how can GMC help you speed up uh, your customer experience success, write us on the 6 impact at gmc.com. If you liked this episode, hit follow and visit gemseek.com to learn more. Let's make an impact on the world of CX together. Thank you for listening.